0: hey everyone coming up on the show i have rob Jules, a best-selling author a inspirational and motivational speaker and the father so check it out stay tuned and sit back relax and grab your favorite beverage and i'll catch you on the other side everybody and welcome to inside the esper studio presents stories today i'm joined with rob Jules, an inspirational speaker a best-selling author a father and a motivationalist welcome to the show rob
1: it is great being here i'm excited about our conversation
0: all right i usually like to start off with asking where were you born rob
1: I was born, it's interesting because I've got two and a half million miles in the air professionally. I've delivered seminars in every state but two and many countries around the world. And I've never lived more than 20 minutes from where I was born. So I was (laughs) born in Silver Spring, Maryland, of all places.
0: So you traveled a lot. I mean, you you love you just live to entertain,
1: don't you? I do. Now I don't necessarily live to travel. I, I have to tell you that it's just sort of part of the profession of being a professional speaker. And um, I truly, when they call your name and they go, now, ladies and gentlemen, let's bring him up. Boy, I'm excited. But just like anybody else, I've spent many a day and night, you know, waiting for delayed flights, stuck in really bad hotel rooms, eating some bad food. So it's not quite as glamorous as it looks, but the job itself is glamorous and it's just a byproduct. I really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I get that feeling about travel. My brother is a professional chef who works for a company called Cargill. And before COVID hit, he'd be traveling all over the U.S. to to work with different restaurants and stuff. And he said he loved to travel, but he hated being away from family.
1: Exactly. I actually one of the books I wrote because normally I write books about sale, selling or presenting but one obscure book I wrote was called The Way of the Road Warrior and I almost got booked on o- the Oprah Winfrey show with it um, I actually was going through the booking process and she retired the show but it's oh. it, it's a you know I almost I almost got a piece of the Oprah lottery you missed it recently. by that much that yeah, much but uh <laughs> the reason why Oprah was interested cuz Oprah's not going to put a sales trainer on was because I really was looking at what that level of travel does to a family and does to, uh, uh, you know, the dysfunction that it creates with friendships and, and relationships and children. And um, I'm blessed. I'm married to a woman who's not quiet, and she uh, really kind of put her foot down, and I made certain changes so I could be more in balance and, um, as you know, didn't miss the growing up of my children. But uh, it wasn't, it's really difficult because, you know, when you're, and I, and I mean this modestly, but when you're having a level of success, nobody teaches you how to back off that throttle of success. In other words, you just want more of it. It's, it's like a, you know, a great food. You want to eat more and more of it, but at what cost? And that's what the book was about.
0: Yeah, I get that. I mean, once you get that taste of success, you want more and you want more and you want more because it just feels, it fuels you.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, this was particularly with me, I was, you know, really kind of, um, Big in the '90s, early 2000s, um, and um, but my kids were pretty young at that time. But you know, I had a limo showing up at my house to pick me up. I had a limo on the other side of wherever I was landed to pick me up. I was staying in very nice hotels. You know, riding first class. Uh, it, it was it was sweet, as they would say. But at what cost? And I am really glad that um, I pulled back from that. And once I did, I there weren't limos waiting for me anymore. There were Uber, <laughs> Lyft and cabs waiting for me. And I was sitting in coach and fighting for gigs and seminars like everyone else, because in the in the speaking world, the more you speak, the more you get booked. So when you pull yourself back, it makes getting booked more difficult to but as I come down the home stretch of my career, I have to I tell you, there are many things I'm proud of. And one of the biggest ones is being helped to make the decision to put my family ahead of uh, whatever level of success I could achieve.
0: Now, what people don't know about Rob is one of his sons is an actor and comedian.
1: Yes, he is. Yes, you he must is. be very proud of him. I am. I am. I knew I knew our humor would work. And and uh and actually, if anybody whoever's listening, if you remember the Megan Rapinoe Subway commercial where she's kicking the, the, the soft the soccer ball and changing the screen on people of what they should order. Uh, my son is actually in that commercial. He's the poor guy that's eating a hamburger that gets belted by a, a Megan Rapino fastball to knock it out of his hands. But so if you if you want to catch what the, what the boy looks like there he is.
0: Now that brings me up to another question you that you're talking about motivation, Rob, what motivates you? What drives you?
1: That's a that's a really good question and and I think it's almost like asking me what my favorite movie is. You know, on a different day you might get a different answer. So uh but there's always a you know I think we all have about Five or six go-to movies we like catch us in a different mood. They change uh, um, order. For me, what motivates me professionally is the buzz from an audience, just the feel, and you know it. The cool thing about stepping on a stage, and I've been doing it for about forty years now. The the cool thing about stepping on a stage is when you're on when you're on your game and there and the audience is responding. Everybody knows it. And when you're not on your game and the audience isn't responding, everyone knows it. But it's like a comedian, it, when they go up on yep. the stage and they bomb, they know it right away. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They know it in a, in a seminar it's uh, audiences tend to be a little bit more polite. We don't get uh, we don't get sniped quite as badly as a comedian, but um, in, in one of my books in particular, I am methodically write out how in a professional setting we deal with We call them snipers, basically hecklers. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, yeah, so so it's that feeling. And and Reed, I have to tell you that there's when the pandemic hit and, you know, we're still kind of working our way through it to go virtual on one hand was a, a dream come true for me because now I get to do what I do and not leave my home. But the bad part was you asked me what motivated me. I tell you that buzz from the audience, that energy I'm pulling, and you don't pull it in a virtual. Rarely am I even looking at my audience. I usually have my notes over my screen. And so I can't see even see them if I wanted to. And that part is tough. It's tough to perform for hour upon hour to a blue light, but we do what we got to do. And
0: I'm sure the athletes, even the Olympians get that feeling right now with COVID going on and no audience to sit there and cheer them on. It's, and it's the same thing with baseball and any sport. How do you compete when you don't have that chair of the
1: audience roaring for you? Yeah, and, and that's really a, a great connection because they've been talking about it. The athletes, and you know, on one hand, I, I, I sort of forgot; I, I detached myself from what I do and what they do, and I thought, "Ah, oh, come on, you're a world class athlete, you know, it's, run around the track, you can do this thing. You've, you've been you've been waiting for this moment." And on the other hand, well, yeah, you can imagine the level of just energy uh, that someone that an athlete. Pulls from that crowd cheering them. It's no wonder that it's just the fact that um, a, a home f- a home field advantage, a team that's playing at home um, in the NFL, for instance, immediately gets three extra points in Las Vegas on the betting line simply for being at home. And those aren't people are betting with their hearts; they're betting with their heads, meaning they see it as a significant advantage because of the energy the audience is putting into that home team.
0: Now Rob, what makes you feel inspired or your best self?
1: Uh, I feel inspired when I know I've done my best. And, and, um, you know, again, it, it's, it's funny, not when I've necessarily succeeded, but when I know I've done my best. So I, I happen to be more, a really bad golfer. I don't golf. Well, I don't golf much, uh, but it's a little bit like playing golf sometimes. It really doesn't matter what the opponent's doing. It's really n- has nothing to do with your swing or, or your game. So for me, just having the knowledge, regardless of, of the outcome of knowing that I, I, from, as a performer, as a presenter, that I have absolutely left it all out there on the stage. And, and one other real quick thing. To this day, it sort of bothers me Uh, back to sports a little, when you, when you go to a ball game and the team doesn't play that well. And the first thing in the press conference you hear is, you know, we just didn't have it today. We, you know, we just, we just didn't have it. We didn't, we didn't have it. We weren't really, we didn't bring, we didn't bring our A game to me. It's personally insulting because I can assure you I'll always bring my A game. I can't predict how the audience will react where the lighting will work. You know, there's so many things I can't control, but bringing my a game how would i forget not to bring my a game and um and i wish when teams do that they would let the fans know and say hey tonight you might want to pass on tonight's game we're not intending to bring our a game so it's that just personal knowledge that you just you gave it all you had that to me lets me sleep like a baby I mean, you get that sometimes
0: with sports. I mean, especially when you're in the playoffs. And sometimes you see a team and you're and they're not playing to their best. And you say to yourself, They're not giving their A game. They don't care at this point. They think they've beat it. They think they got the other team and all of a sudden that other team sweeps them and then it's like you guys slacked. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. They, um, and they'll tell you, oh, what well, you know, we did have back-to-back games or we were coming from the West coast. I can't tell you how many times in my career, I was taking red eyes into, you know, from here to there and I'm being paid and I can't show up and tell my client, listen, you know, I, I just got off a of red eye or I've been doing back-to-back seminars and I'm going to back it down a, a, a tad tonight uh you could i mean I, you understand i'm tired i no doesn't doesn't work that way so i never get it from the other side and and one last thing i think your audience should know when i when i first got on this call with reed reed commented on the fact that i was sitting and when reed <laughs> was on my podcast i was standing and, and because that's where my energy is and i really thought what the heck am i doing sitting i want to give reed Everything I got, I don't want to say, Hey Reed, sorry about that one, but you know, I was tired. So it's, it's about doing everything that you know you can do taking no shortcuts, putting it all out there and not worrying about how far the ball goes or let's control what we can control. And that inspires me.
0: Now finish a sentence Rob. What? I'm at my best one.
1: <sighs> well, for, now, you know, there's the one that creeps in your head first. And I was going to say when I'm well-rested, but that's a terrible answer. I'm just letting you know where my brain went. I think I'm at my best when, and it doesn't always work this way, but liking the client, in other words, liking the gig that I've got certainly helps me get to my best. I don't want to contradict what I just said to you and say, because if I don't like the client, that's no excuse to say, well, if I had liked you better, you know, really got the best of me. But I'm clearly at my best when uh, I like the audience. The audience is liking me. I like the client. Uh, um, I think that's it. Uh, but I got to tell you, ask, it, ask it, me again in five minutes. I'll bet you'll get a different answer. So it's, it's that <laughs> kind of stuff. But yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, all right, let's get to know you a little bit
0: better okay. if you to turn back time, Rob, and talk to your 18 year old self. What would you tell him?
1: I tell them, relax. It's, you know, it's, uh, you're going to be on a journey. You're going to take some, some steps forward, a couple steps steps back. It's not all going to come to you all at once. Um, uh, but I think I'd tell me, but walk tall, walk proud, keep smiling at people. Uh, be open to other ideas uh, right. and enjoy the ride because it's a ride. You know, I, I, I don't want to sound like some old guy, but you know, I'm, I, I'm going to be retiring in a year or so. Uh, and it's been a wonderful ride. I, I wonder how many days and nights I spent worrying about things that I couldn't really control uh, that, that, my older self would have said, just like your first question or second right out of the gate, you just you just leave it out all out on the field and you don't have to worry about not sleeping or 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 the outcome of the game. You're going to win a whole lot more. You're going to than you're going to lose that way.
0: All right. If you can have a billboard with anything on it, Rob, what would it be and
1: why? Oh, I think it would it would have two words on there. It would it would be a, a picture of me, of course. And the words would be energy and enthusiasm. Those are, I call them the great equalizers. You, you show up with energy and enthusiasm and you, and, and you can make up for a lot of other deficiencies and, and, and on the flip side, but from an audience standpoint, I always feel like an audience will forgive a lot of things. You know, it, you could drop your, your notes. You could you could stumble walking up onto the stage in life. You can, there's a whole lot. You know, what an audience will never forgive is a lack of energy and enthusiasm. And so, uh, and if we end, the cool part about that is that I can't control whether I'm going to trip or not. I'm trying not to, I'm watching where I'm going, but it's a math. It's it's a math equation. Eventually I'm going to trip, yeah. but I can always yeah. control my energy and enthusiasm. And that puts a smile on my face. So uh, I, I believe in it so much. I wear a lightning bolt when I present. I, you know, the, that stands for energy and enthusiasm. I got what's called a robble head, a bobblehead of me with two <laughs> words on it that says energy and enthusiasm. I take those words very seriously. That would be on my billboard. All right. Who has been the most important person in your life? And can you tell me about them? Be my dad, who's no longer with us. um, And I will tell you about him. He was an incredible person. uh, I may get emotional even talking about him. Incredible guy. Uh, first of all, he was a warrior. Uh, he fought in uh, D-Day, uh, hit the beach in at Normandy, um, and um, uh, was actually in the first wave, which he would have never survived if his boat hadn't been hit by a mine, killed half the men on board. But they had to fix the propeller on that boat, and he came in in the third wave, which was still uh, very iffy, but uh, he survived it. He fought in Korea. He was a Marine uh Corman and he um was my hero uh he also had this ability to walk into a room and the room would sort of buzz around him he wouldn't he wouldn't attack that room people just there was something that he put out there, and as a kid. I got to tell you i just used to stand there and just look up and go okay i got to take notes because that's the way i'm going to (laughs) be and um he was able to see me speak professionally a few different times and um in that and i really feel like i'm just an extension of him Uh, at least two of my books are dedicated to him he was a tremendous salesman as well taught me a lot about selling and um just um just a good man and a great leader what was your favorite
0: um, subject in school?
1: Favorite subject in school by anything to do with speaking. Uh, I was, the, I was the weirdo. I liked whenever, whatever class I was in, where they said, and for extra credit, if you give an oral report, I was like, sign me up. Cause that's the one I know I'll get an A on. I was not a great test taker. So Ugh. when we had um, any type of speech or mm-hmm. communications classes and things like that. uh I was always upfront and ready to go. And even at University of Maryland, I was a double major. I was a business major. But once I started taking communications classes and I thought, oh, finally, something that I'm almost a natural athlete at it, something that's coming easier, easy to me, memorizing accounting laws and rules and e- economics that did not come easy to me. So anything to deal with communications. All right. I guess
0: you'd consider yourself an extrovert then, right? I do out there. Oh, I do.
1: I'm a card carrying extrovert, but, but just so you know, even extroverts, you put me into a group of people that I don't know, and if I'm not working professionally, in other words, if I'm not at a corporate site, I don't feel like running up and talking to all. You know, it, I have to be in the mood for it. Professionally, there is no nothing. There's no such thing as being in the mood for it. So, not only am I when you see me on a stage being being very extroverted, clearly, but I I feel an obligation to carry that character off the stage. So when I'm, when I'm having dinner with a client, when, when, when I, I played a lot of golf in certain client events where they won't be playing with the customers, et cetera. Oh, I'm quite the extrovert. But between you, me, and the uh, microphone here, uh, even ext- extroverts will tell you, we don't all want to jump around and, and be the cheerleader. We, we, it comes easier to us, but we have our downside too. Uh, Last thing, and that's this, the most difficult thing for me in my career was never speaking professionally. To me, it was always having dinner the night before with clients. (laughs) I knew what they were expecting. I couldn't show up and go, how's everybody doing? I'm not really, I'm, I'm kind of tired from the flight. I'll just have that, the beans and the steak and please talk to somebody else. I got to be like me, Mr. Happy and hello, and I better be entertaining at that table. And I feel much more comfortable in front of 500 people. I don't know while I'm standing on a stage than three people at a dinner table. I don't know. That's a rough gig. No, I can tell you, people, you can feel it listening, but just talking to a Rob alone, you
0: can feel that energy coming, just coming out from that computer. And when you're talking with him, that energy just radiates out and he just fills you with his energy. He's that kind of guy.
1: Thank you. You're so, welcome, it. Rob.
0: <sighs> That's the energy talking. <laughs> now, Rob, what are the best resources that have helped you?
1: Best resources? Huh. Well, um, remember, I'm I'm a guy who pretty much has lived on the road. So um, anything, you know, as strange as this sounds uh, from a technology standpoint, if we consider that a resource, I think an iPhone was the greatest invention ever created. I mean, laptops are nice. And uh, but to have a miniature computer uh, in your pocket or hooked to your belt and one that I can do a hundred different things, probably the least of which is speak on it, speak on a telephone. (laughs) I just, I think it's amazing. So, um, you know, uh, um, I, I just think there th- and, and travel has become so easy. I was thinking the other day of how, when I first started, I had to call a travel agent I had to wait for my paper ticket to be mailed to me. I better not lose that paper ticket or I can't get on the plane. And I know that uh, feeling, I
0: mean, when I used to travel, when yeah. I was traveling across Europe, it was like my travel agent's like, I'll send you your ticket. I'm like, okay, I better not delete <laughs> the email. Once I get it, I better yeah. remember it's in my email box yeah. I better print a copy of it just in
1: case I need it. Yeah. Well, when I was younger than you, and I still am, uh, well, I'm older than you, but when I was younger, uh, we didn't have email. I'm talking about me traveling. I used to do flood seminars, two-day flood seminars, to claims adjusters, actuaries, and underwriters for Computer Sciences Corporation when I was in my early 20s, and um, I flew all around. And there was no internet, and there was no emailing, and you had to physically make sure you did not misplace your ticket. And one time in Minnesota, and if anybody's ever been to that airport in Minnesota, you understand how long that airport is i lost my ticket i was connecting i lost it while i was walking and they were not going to let me on that flight which seemed kind of crazy even i mean i'm not talking about the 1940s i'm talking about like 1993 or so but um i had to backtrack uh, probably a mile walk i still didn't find it and somebody found it and took it to the gate uh right before that flight took off without me so it was the, the, to have those that, those resources, the ability to mm-hmm. have it in your calendar, have it in your email, have it in your hand, you're going to have it on your, you know, in, in your uh, back of your head. But to be able to do that is really tremendous and book our own flights and all that, that. That really opened things up for me.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, where would we be without our cell phones, our laptops? Technology today is what what it is i mean without it people couldn't survive
1: nowadays no no i i can't imagine it and even being able to look at um messages you know my wife sometimes gives me a tough tough time because when she's walking this way looking for something i immediately check my messages but as i explained to her i can do that when you barely even notice me doing it or I won't do it at all. I'll just do it at the end of the day while we're on vacation, whatever. But I get about 100 emails a day. So that's the end of our vacation at the end of the day. Or I can just chip away at it. I'm waiting for a meal. I'm standing on the corner on this. So I'm not addicted to my phone. I love the fact that I can just get little things done around my schedule, even when I'm vacationing. And to me, that's incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know that feeling. I mean, I mean, but the problem with cell phones and technology is it disconnects the society from yeah. who we are. I mean, you see all the pictures of parents sitting at the kitchen table with their kids and everyone's got a cell phone to their face. No yeah. one's talking or texting to each other. It's, it's either That's live with them or live side,
1: yeah. That's the dark side. And I completely agree with it. So sort of, I was a basketball player. You live by the d- jump shot. You die by the jump shot. You can live by that iPhone. Or you can die by that iPhone. Um, yes. I think the key is to, um, you know, moderation and certainly people I've seen the same thing. You, I've seen them out of restaurants, entire family, and no one's talking. They're all head buried in the phone. And I, like you I find it almost tragic. It's sad.
0: I mean, one of the best stories I was told was when I was volunteering at the planetarium here in Chicago, my supervisor, like me, was on the spectrum. And so were her kids. They went out to Iceland for a vacation. And here she's looking out the window, looking at all these spectacular mountains and volcanoes. And what are her kids doing? Staring at their cell phone. And she's like, guys, get off your phones and look at nature.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But anyways, Rob, if you can interview anyone from your life, living or dead, but not a celebrity, who would it be and why?
1: Mm, Not a celebrity. You got me there. Because I want to slide in my celebrity, if I could. My celebrity crush, sort of, just platonically, of course, Um, would be Jim Carrey. But you're not letting me interview him. So I got to move off of that one. So who would I interview if I could uh, interview anyone? Well, the easy answer would be my dad, because I never really formally interviewed him. And, the, you know, he's been gone for about 10 years or so. I actually don't know how long. I don't commemorate the date, a month or a year. So I made it a, a conscious effort never to be care about that. Gone is gone. And and it just, you know, take something away from your life. No. But if it weren't my dad, who would I interview? Huh. Um, hang on, I'll get you a good one. I, I, you know, I, I maybe Lincoln. You know, I mean, I might go way back. I, 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 I leaders. I would, I want to talk to, you know, amazing leaders. So without putting any, you know, really coming at this thing, and I, uh, you know. Reed likes to, to, to has some questions. He'll show you, but I will tell you, Reed sent me some questions, and I did not want to look them over. I picked a few of them out of there, but I was like, I'm not looking because I love authenticity and spontaneous. Well, so.
0: those very <laughs> few beginning questions I realized were for those of people who are on the spectrum, so, so kind of get more of them personal, yeah, yeah. the lives of people. And I realized that when you sent the questions back, I'm like, oh crap, those first few questions were for those who are on the spectrum to yeah. get more personal with them.
1: Yeah. So Reed, I think it would just be somebody famous in history, probably a president. But I mean, uh, and Lincoln fascinates me because of, uh, of all the presidents I've read about him in a few different books and just how difficult his pres- presidency was. I don't mean, you know, for him personally and for the country and the nation and to, to lead us through that that time. Uh, I just think it would be fascinating to speak to him. So I'll stick with Lincoln. I feel good. about right. that one. All right, Rob, if you could be remembered from one thing, what would it be and why? Yeah, it would be, that's an easy one. Uh, it would be as the guy who always gave a hundred percent, just always just never took a moment off, got up out of his chair, no matter who he's talking to or when to stand up, because that's going to make me better. Uh, just, It'd be able to deliver seminars, uh, and uh, or whatever I'm doing, and I coached basketball. I've done a lot of different. I do uh, all live auctions. Whatever I'm doing, I want people to always go. You know, I saw that guy, and I never, never saw him not firing on all cylinders. Give you know, absolutely laying it out there. I love to be known for as that guy.
0: You know, all right. What are you
1: proudest of? Professionally, or does it matter? doesn't matter. Oh, well, I'm proudest of my 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 family. I'm proudest of my three kids. I mean, we've got one who's a comedian in LA, one who is uh, does sketch comedy in New York, and probably the most Talented performer of the three of them, the youngest lives here. But when the two go in that direction, I'm the youngest. You, the youngest, will always go. Okay, if that's the if that's the the path you're blazing, I'll blaze any path but that one. She's uh, but she plays piano beautifully and performs a little bit uh playing piano in little nightclubs and stuff. uh I'm very proud of them. I'm proud of who they are. Not necessarily their accomplishments, but just that they're really three very good people. And if you met them, you'd like them. And, and if I'm, if I was their age and this is kind of cool, I was thinking about this the other day, if I was the age of any of my children, I'd be their friend. And I think they'd be mine. We'd be good friends because I like who they are, uh, you know, and that's, I'm very proud of that.
0: All right. And lastly, Rob, let's get to know you. Um, How did you get into what you're doing today? How did you come up with
1: your podcast? Where did, where did it all start from? Did it just fall into your lap? Yeah. That's some last question. All right. Well, now you got to pull up a chair, but I'll I'll go quickly. I was, I came out of Maryland. I was a, I was a lowly insurance salesman. I don't mean anything by it. I just meant I was selling life, health, and disability to Washington GO, the general office, Uh, minding my own business. But remember, I told you I love giving presentations. Yes. I'm in the back of the room about one year into my career, waiting for a Monday morning mandatory meeting with 22 other what we called apprentice field underwriters, underwriters in their first two years. And the manager and the trainers um, got stuck. They went out for an early breakfast. They got double parked. They couldn't get out. I happened, as fate would have it, I happened to have been standing by the phone that rang in the back of the room and a desperate, Uh, New York life trainer told me, I don't care what you do, but do something in front of that room. Do not tell them that we're stuck. Just make it work. And so I put the phone down. I got up and I did. We had a script that we had learned called the live, die, quit story. We had memorized it as insurance agents, but I had directed a couple shows in Maryland and was um, in my spare time, like to act. And I decided as a director I would try and I mean, remember I'm, I'm making it up as I'm walking to the front of the room. I'm going to teach them the components, where to where the pitch changes, where to pause, how to sell that script. And they came in about 40 minutes into it and just waved me just gave me the waves said, keep going because you because again you could feel that audience was with me. And Reed, I got to tell you when that was over I smiled and went, "Well, now I know what I want to do." Now I got a taste of that apple, and unfortunately for New York Life, they lost a good salesman that day because <laughs> I didn't. I didn't leave in the morning, but I knew that's the path I have to build. Now how do I build it? And um, I began to go to work right from then on. Of I taught for something called Open University, the Learning Annex you used to put up free, uh, not free, but little boxes with. Um, programs you could attend, wine tasting, Mm. things like that for $20. And I got into the program and I would teach selling, (laughs) selling programs for $20. And I felt like a boxer just sort of getting ring work. I just needed a sparring partner and, and loved it. And then uh, began to be a, I was a trainer doing the flood training and, but it was flood insurance training. And then just went out on my own. I'm in my 29th year uh, as a professional speaker. uh, And the writing, all that stuff. But it all started by picking up the phone in the back of the room. And as I tell people, a lot of times you won't find your career. It'll find you. And it found me that day.
0: Yes. Like podcasting found me. Mm -hmm. Now we come to the set part of the set where every, everyone's waiting for the final questions,
1: the final question. Ready?
0: Rob, what is your favorite word? Happy. What is your least favorite word?
1: I say, I don't want to overthink it. So uh, I'm kind of flipping off of that, but um, because it's, so it's going to be, it could be sad, but you know what? It's, it's, can I, can I just string a few of them together and then we can find a word that means this just lack of hustle, just somebody that isn't hustling. Uh, as a kid who who nobody knew when we when when I went to school, they didn't really label people with learning issues. You just there were some people who just didn't learn the same way. And you were yelled at and told study harder. Um, and I was um, uh, and in fact, I think it was the greatest blessing in the world because I probably do or did have ADD. And I I probably do or did have some sort of learning issue but what it made me do is have to read things three times and work twice as hard to get a C on a multiple choice test. But I learned to hustle. I learned, I never in elementary, middle, high school, college, I never missed a day of class, never sick, nothing, never, not one, couldn't afford to never <laughs> missed a homework assignment, never missed an extra credit. And by doing all that, I was a B plus student. Uh, and that is why I say it's a blessing is because it, it, it taught me to hustle and it taught me to just, um, and appreciate the hustle. Remember where we were about at the beginning of the interview, I told you when a team comes in and they're not really hustling, it's offensive to me. Maybe you just helped me connect the two, but that's probably why I never had the luxury of not being able to hustle. All right. or I'd fail.
0: What turns you on creatively, spiritually, and emotionally?
1: Uh, uh, creatively, what, what turns me on is when somebody's out of the box, when somebody brings an idea that I haven't heard of before and isn't afraid to share it. Uh, I, I actually taught for Xerox. I taught problem solving, quality improvement, something. So I taught people how to brainstorm. Uh, I, I love... When even when I'm watching a commercial, I'm the only knucklehead probably there is that you know, but I'm watching with my wife, and my kids, that I'll pause it, rewind it, and tell my kids, Watch this commercial because I'll see something that's very creative or interesting. And I'm a pre, I appreciate it. So, there, all right. What turns you off? Kind of the same thing. I mean, like I said, um, just a lack of authenticity. Somebody that's right. just not hustling, just going through the motion, I, I, it, it's offensive to me. I just don't right. like it. I don't always speak up, by the way, Reed. But if you want to sell me something and I don't think you're really hustling, I'm not buying it. I can tell you that right now. I'll be polite, but I'm, I'll give you a great excuse. But your product, didn't, you didn't lose me on your product. You lost me personally.
0: All right. What's your favorite cuss word?
1: Oh, my. We're going there. Well, uh, my favorite one, uh, I'm, I guess I, I throw some F bombs out there, but I have to tell you as a podcaster and as a professional speaker, I'm so trained not to cuss ever, ever that I don't, I'm having trouble using the word while I'm speaking to you. So F bomb, we all know what it means. All right. What (laughs) sound or noise do you love? Sound or noise? I love an applause. What sound
0: or noise do you hate?
1: Silence. I'm not big on complete silence. What is your
0: favorite color? Blue. What is your least favorite color? Orange. Don't like orange. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: Hmm. What? I... Let's see. I I think uh, as I get ready to you know and and can smell retirement on its way, I used to act when I was in my early twenties and in high school and in college. Uh, I think the roles would be a little different now, but uh, I wouldn't mind uh, doing some acting if we could fit it all in and I could balance that with my with my wife. My kids are grown now.
0: All right. What profession would you not want to attempt?
1: Ah, hmm. uh, I would not like to be a bullfighter and it has nothing to do with the danger. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a guy who's done some dangerous stuff. I don't find any sport in harming an animal. All right. If heaven
0: exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: We've been waiting for
0: you. And Proud finally, you. and finally, Rob, when you arrive at heaven, wh- who would you like to meet and why?
1: Well. Uh, first guy I want to meet is my dad. My mom's still here. So, so um, I love my mother too. Don't don't think I don't, but uh, I can't wait to see my dad again.
0: And that's it folks. We're with Rob Jules. Make sure you stay tuned next week for Sam and his mother, Gina Mitchell. So see you later and catch you on the other side.
2: Shout out, it's a good year. You ready to go? And- Take it to the-